Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome everybody to our Mothers Who Know Stay by the Tree webinar series. We're so excited that everybody has joined us this morning. Our Stay by the Tree webinar series is sponsored by Life Changing Services and Mothers Who Know. And as a part of Mothers Who Know, we do offer a free mom power training that just introduces you to some of the principles that are taught here at Life Changing Services. So if you have anything going on in your life or you're struggling with something, we have lots of different programs at Life Changing Services. We have programs for mothers here through Mothers Who Know, parents. We have programs for wives, for husbands, for sons, for daughters, lots of different stuff. So if you have any questions or, or you just need to talk to somebody or you need to find a counselor or sometimes if we have children that are struggling, we specifically want counselors that are LDS because they understand our values. So you're welcome to call our main office at 877-437-6877 or check out our website at lifechangingservices.org and you'll see all the different programs that we offer there. So within Mothers Who Know, we offer a, a class called Mom Power. And in Mom Power, it's about applying powerful tools and principles to find ongoing courage and peace as a mom amid life's challenges, where we can learn to stand in any storm with the Savior by our side. 
This is actually a free training. To be honest, we've gone back and forth. We started where we were charging for the training and then COVID-19 happened and we decided, you know what? All moms need this all the time. So we are just offering it for free for everybody so that you can just kind of come in and find the peace as you learn to stand by the Savior and also to introduce you to life-changing services and some of the programs that we offer. In between our mom power training, the eight week course is actually online. So once you register, all of the eight week classes are online. So you can take it whenever it fits your schedule. But we do offer free mini classes if you want some of that one on one meeting with a person, talking to somebody, understanding the principles. We'll start that again on Tuesday, November 17th. So just go to mompowertraining.com or mompowertraining.org and you can register there for free. In between each of the mom power sessions, we do the little eight week mini sessions. We offer these amazing uh, messages of hope our stay by the tree series where we have guest presenters come in and just talk to us. And it's kind of amazing when we come up with speakers, the person who's in charge of doing that really prays about it and thinks about it and really listens in the spirit who she would like to invite. And then when she invites our speakers to come, she just invites them to teach whatever they feel like the spirit is telling them that you need to hear. So we're really hopeful that the messages that we present today and the next couple of weeks will be specifically for you and will be things that you need to hear. As we know that our presenters have all prepared in the spirit. So you'll see that we have three different presenters. Today, we're going to be blessed to hear from Alana Gordon, and Alana is going to be talking about finding strength amidst challenges. And right now, I think everybody has some kind of challenge in their life. Some are big, some are little, but no matter big or small, they're all challenges and challenges are hard. And so Alana is going to talk to us a little bit about that and we'll let her tell her story and whatever she's got prepared for us in the spirit. Alana is also our director of our worth program at Life Changing Services. So if you want more information about that, you can email worth at lifechangingservices.org or go to the lifechangingservices.org website and click on the link for worth and you can find out more about that program. Alana also is trained to be a therapist. I think she's almost done with her schooling. I know she's working in that right now. And she has her own business called Choose Recovery, <clears throat> Choose Recovery Services. And you can check that out also at chooserecoveryservices.com. So I'm going to go ahead and let Karen do a little more of an introduction with Alana. And then just again, for those that have just barely come on, if you want to register for Mom Power Training, it is free promise there's no strings attached. There's no, you know, ulterior motives or anything like that. We've had moms go really like, what's the catch? Why is it free? Really? It's free because we just think these principles are so powerful and we want everybody to have a chance to get to hear them and get to know them and apply them in their life. So anyway, I will turn the time over to Karen and Alana. Thank you so much, April. Oh, you sisters that are here attending, good morning. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm Karen Broadhead. I'm the director of Mothers You Know. And I'm so thankful that you would spend your time with us this morning. It is such a blessing to be together. Oh, there's such power in sisterhood and such power in being able to connect and to care for one another even in a place where you think, well, I can't even talk to them, can't even hear them. 
just being able to see one another and know that there are numbers of women here who care about one another and about healing and finding peace to be among women like that. So I want to give you a special nudge to have a pad of paper and a pen to take some notes about the things that the Spirit teaches you and is whispering to you during our presentation. I'm so grateful for what April mentioned and how our presenters, specifically Alana today, has been preparing in the Spirit because really we do not give our presenters a topic to prepare on. We just really want them to ask the Lord what would be helpful. And then we we just are so grateful for their effort in our behalf. But top of the hour, Alana is going to turn the time back over to us. And we have just a, a few important things to tell you. But then from the notes that you've taken, Alana will be facilitating a discussion and taking questions. And we'd love to hear some of your takeaways or anything you'd like to share there. So we're just grateful that you can be here. And we're thankful if you're here just listening to the recording. Welcome and we appreciate you. So I just want you to know how much I love Alana Gordon. I love her. I don't even know her personally really well, but I love her example in my life. And I love the the strength that she's been to our company, Life Changing Services. It has been so awesome to watch the influence that she's had, her family's had in our company. And so cool to notice the healing that has happened because of it and the resources that have been developed because of her efforts and her willingness to allow people to stand where they are and lift. And so I'm just grateful for Alana and I'm thankful for her goodness. And one of the the words that comes to my mind when I think of Alana is compassion. She's very compassionate and you will notice that today. And really, thank you so much for being here, Alana. We're going to turn the time over to you. Thank you so much, Karen. I feel excited, nervous, honored to be here. Thank you for coming today. As I was preparing to speak, I have never had so much of a block about what to talk about. I run some worth groups and I have spoken on podcasts and I've spoken in multiple awards and I've had a lot of opportunity to speak. And for whatever reason, every time I thought about this topic of, I really need to figure out what I'm going to speak on mom power. And I had months, months to think about this and I would just get a wall and I could not figure out why heavenly father was not just giving it to me. I I was waiting for this answer to just kind of be dropped in my lap. And a few weeks ago, I kind of had the prompting or the, the thought that I needed to share my story a little bit and get personal. And instantly I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm good. I, I'm, I think I'll just stick with just teaching on something and had that thought, had that feeling again. And as soon as I embraced it, the thoughts just came flooding. And so 
I am going to get a little personal today. And the ladies, as we were talking about what we would do today, they invited me to share a picture of my family. And I was supposed to send it to them ahead of time. And I didn't because I just didn't get to it. But I wanted to screen share really quick. And I'm going to share a picture. This is my family. This is my husband, Luke. He currently is the program director for Metamoroni. And I got my son, Caleb. He's 15 now. To his right is Madison. She is 14. And then Hannah is 13. And yes, that's 15, 14, 13. And then we have Colton in the green shirt. He is eight now. And Carson is now six. This picture was about a year ago. And in this picture, you can see like we're all smiling. Everyone's dressing in kind of matching clothing. It's kind of a cute picture. And I was trying to find right before we started a picture that more accurately shows our family. And it's a picture where everyone's kind of standing around and we're waiting for the photographer And then my little guy, Carson here, is standing over in the side of the picture with his back turned peeing in the bush. (laughs) Colton's laughing and everyone else is totally oblivious. And I just happened to catch a picture of like, this is what things really look like. So I wanted to share that because this morning, as I'm talking, I'll talk a little bit about some of the challenges that I've been through in my life. And with that, sometimes we see this beautiful picture where it will sound like I'm Alana Gordon. I've been through these hard things. Look where I am now and look at all these wonderful things. And and it looks like this beautiful put together picture. And the reality is, is my life is still really hard. It's hard in different ways. And even though I may have gotten through like this one challenge, there's new challenges and it looks different. So today I'm going to take you a little bit into the mess. I'm going to take you a little bit into the reality of my life and walk you through some of the lessons that I have learned. And not only that I've learned that I have to still use today. I kind of had this idea in my mind that when I just got through this challenge, when I got through this massive trial, and I do this with all of the trials I've probably ever been through is I just need to get through it. I just need to get to the other side because then things will be better. Then I'll be happy. Then I won't be stressed. And, And while there is a little bit of truth to that, as far as I'm not stressed about this challenge, life always has a way of keeping us on our toes. And so We'll get into that in a, in a little bit more later. Just a couple of things about me. I'm a really passionate woman who loves God, my family, and my friends. I think deeply. I feel deeply. I love deeply. I am the program director for Worth. I am very passionate about my work that I do. I'm also a wife. My husband would know how long we've been married. I want to say 18 years. You can do the math. It was 2001. Maybe it was 19 years. I don't know. We've been married a while. My husband teases me because I don't remember how long. I that's just I don't remember those numbers well. Or, but and then also you saw my kids. I'm a mother. Those are some of the roles that I have, and I'm grateful for each role. My my story begins of where I'm going to share today is about about seven years ago. My wife, my wife, (laughs) we're married. And we were going through life 
as far as I could tell, things were going really well. There was, you know, obviously life challenges and things happening. But with that, at the time, I was pregnant with my youngest and I was just about to have him. So it would have been about six and a half years ago, just about ready to have him a couple days from my due date. My husband was serving at the time, I want to say as the elders corn president. And, and I don't even remember initially what sparked it, but I was on his phone one day and I saw something that was inappropriate and I went, Hmm, that's odd. And kind of just put it aside and the spirit kept prompting me to go back. And so when I went back and did some further research, I discovered that my husband had been looking at pornography. And for me at the time, that was very upsetting and I had known about, I don't know, I'd say maybe like eight years prior that he had struggled with pornography. And at the time he had gone to the Bishop, he had gone to a few of the church's recovery meetings. And we both just, we both, I just thought that this was completely in the past. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's not an issue, not an issue. And so when I saw it again, my first thought was, oh no, like he's back in it again. And, and it was really upsetting to me. And I was pregnant at the time. So I was up all night anyway. And I remember this one night staying up all night, just thinking about how to approach him with this and the the feeling that I had at the time. And this was my personal, what God was telling me is he, that it was very much of how I approached it was really important. I know now that, um, for a lot of women, you, you, we get so caught up in like, you have to do it the right way for them to hopefully react or respond in the right way. And I realized that we can't do that. But in this case, for me, the spirit was so strong and it was very clear of you need to approach this in the right way. And so I spent all night thinking and praying. And in the morning, I wrote him this email and the email basically asked and it's, it said, I know that you're looking at pornography again. I know you're doing these things and I can handle anything in my life, but I can't handle the lies. So I just need honesty. And then I followed that up with a few other questions. And I remember as I typed them that I just kept thinking, this is so weird that I'm typing this. Why am I typing this? But I asked him questions like, have you ever cheated on me or have you acted out in other ways sexually? And, and I waited till he went to work and I sent the email and I got a phone call shortly after. And at the time we lived up in outside in the outside of Seattle, out in the country. And so we're about 45 minutes from his work and he called me and he said, Hey, do you want to talk about this now? Or do you want to talk about this in person? And I said, I don't know. You tell me. And he, he said, well, I'm on my way home. And I hung up the phone and I knew in that instant, like my life was never going to be the same. And I sat there just with such an eerie sense of calm. Maybe it was shock, maybe, but I believe that it was the spirit really wrapping around me to prepare me for what was about to come. So my husband came home and proceeded to tell me, that yes, he had been looking at pornography for not only our entire marriage, but since he was a young teenager. But with that, he had also acted outside of our marriage sexually our entire marriage. 
And for me, I had seen him as this elders quorum president, previously young men's president, doing these things and living this life as one person. And then all of a sudden discovering that there was this totally separate life. And as you can imagine in that moment, like my world just crumbled. I stayed very calm as he talked to me and I said, okay, thank you for sharing that. I asked a few additional questions and then I said, I think it would be best if you left. And, and I look back at the, at it and the fact that I was so calm still surprises me, but I remember being up on the second floor and watching him drive away in his car. And as soon as he drove away, I went in my closet and I just, I broke, I just shattered into a million pieces. And that was the beginning for me of a really hard, difficult, ugly, and beautiful journey of healing. So for me, there was, I went from being a really on top of my life, kind of in control of things, woman, to being incapable of doing the smallest things. I struggled to feed my kids breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I think we ate cereal for months. The first time I made a grocery list, I sobbed. I just cried because I um, had accomplished something, something that to me before I felt so normal and now was so huge. And so when I did that, I celebrated that. I remember crying every day on and off for months and getting to the point where I made it a whole day with no crying. And it was the end of the day. And then I burst into tears because I was so happy that I made it this whole day with cry- without crying. And then also how sad it was that I made it a whole day without crying. And then I cried. And, and soon with time, the days where it would be one day without crying. And then soon it was two or three days without crying. And somewhere along the journey, it was four or five days without crying. And, and it was a super gradual, slow shift of, of healing and moving forward. So gradual that often I couldn't even see it. I couldn't even recognize that the healing was happening. And I remember at one point, one of my therapists said to me, she said, ever so often, it's really important that you stop and you look at your healing and you go, am I, me personally, in the same place I was three months ago? Am I in the same place I was maybe a year ago? Am I in the same place I was three years ago? And to stop and check. Because I will tell you, one of the most common tools of the adversary and favorite ones to use on me was this idea of you're not progressing or you're not healing or something hard would happen and it would pull me back into fears. And I would think, well, I'm just not changing. Nothing's happening. And I would feel like I'm stuck. And none of that was true. I was still progressing. I was still healing. It was just really hard to see it in the midst of everything. So I'm not going to spend too much more time on my story other than I was working every single day to try to heal. And really, (laughs) one of my main goals is I wanted to be pain-free. I wanted to move forward and heal because I didn't want to be in so much pain. My husband at the time was also working every single day to fight for himself and for our family. And I recognize that not everybody has that. And I, it took me years before I trusted that what he was doing was real. 
and that it was legitimate and that, that his intentions were pure. That was a really long process of his healing, my healing and our marriage healing. So with that all being said, I'm in a place today where I can tell you, I do trust my husband. I do love my husband. I am grateful for where we are today. I also know that tomorrow is not guaranteed, but I have learned to trust myself and I've learned to trust God. And those two things, trusting myself and trusting God have carried me through not only this challenge, but other challenges that have come along. So what I want to do today, and I don't know how many we'll actually get to, but I have made a list of about 10 different lessons that I've learned through this journey of healing and just through all of my personal work that I've done. And some I may just spend two or three minutes on and some I may spend a little more time on. I wrote out 10 of them. I had nine. And then I went, oh no, for all those people who really like their things in evens, I do. (laughs) We have to add one more. So I threw one at the end. But the first lesson is that I had to learn to trust God and trust God in his timing. One thing that I have learned is that my timing and God's timing are rarely. Also, when you're in the middle of it, very rarely can people actually see what God is doing. Very rarely can people see or be given the whole picture. If we were given the whole picture, then A, faith wouldn't be required. And B, if we did that, then there would be no learning or growth. I remember at one point in my journey of just desperately wanting to see five years ahead. That's what I would always say is just show me five years. Just show me like, are we together? Are we separated? Or is this happening? Am I still in my marriage? Am I moving? Like, am I working? Am I a stay-at-home mom? Am I like, I just wanted that five-year mark. And I remember when we hit that five-year mark and really taking time and pondering and going, okay, if I had seen this, seen a snapshot of five years, would that have been helpful? And what I want to say and what I wanted to believe in the beginning is absolutely that would have been helpful. But the truth is, is knowing myself as had I seen five years where we were in a pretty good place and I was starting my grad school program to become a therapist and I had these good things happening. Had I seen that at the time, I would have tried to fast forward to the five years and I would have skipped out on so much important learning that I still needed to do. I would have skipped out and missed on so many tools and so many things that God still had to teach me. So in the beginning, if someone would have said, Alana, this is going to be really hard, like army crawling through the mud hard for the next couple of years, I would have said, nope, like peace out. I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. I probably still would have, but that would have been my gut reaction is I'm not doing it. But the reality is, is I didn't know how long it was going to take. I didn't know what the next day would look at, look like. And I can see wisdom in that. I don't like it. I don't like it today. Like as I'm still in, you know, have hard things happen today. I still want God to say, this is the right path. This is what you need to do. Now just move forward. But for me, so much of my journey is God has given me only one little tiny step 
or sometimes he said, okay, you choose the next step. And then I take the next step and then he goes, okay, here's one more for you. Or he makes me take the next three steps, but I never get more than just a tiny little bit. It's really been this journey of just figuring out what that next little right step is and letting go of the timing of what I want it to be. But part of that is I really have had to get honest with myself of what timing I want and then surrendering that to God. That was not easy. And, you know, Luke and I, we were missionaries for the ARP program for, for a couple of years. And one time in group in the church's ARP is addiction recovery program. So as we're sitting there in the circle and people are going around and they're doing their shares, one person share, they said something like, I feel like when I come to ARP, I'm able to just kind of throw all my problems and all my worries, like in the middle of the circle and that God is able to take that. And it's just so healing for me to come to group. And I was like, Oh, I love that. Like this idea of like surrendering and giving it to God and putting it in the fire. And I picture this campfire in the middle of the circle. And then what I, what I thought about since then many times is what I do is I throw my things in the fire and then I'm like, Oh, wait, 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 wait. And I'm like trying to reach in and pull it out. Like, no, no, no. I okay. I, I got this. I got this. And so it's this constant process of like letting it go and taking it back and letting it go. And for me, it takes me multiple times of just letting it go, letting it go. I put on my wall and I still have it on my wall today. It says, let go and let God. And I have repeated those words in my mind so many times, let go, let God, let go, let God, because there's so many things in my life that I never saw it as trying to control. I always saw it as, as being helpful, being caring, being compassionate, having empathy, all of these things that are good, beautiful Christ-like things to have. I would take those and I would, but I would try to help or try to control things that really weren't in my control. So that's something that's really been part of this journey too, is just that let go, let God. The next thing is self-compassion is a must. Self-compassion, I, I, I could do a whole like two hours, probably more on just self-compassion. It's not just bubble baths and self-care, taking care of yourself. Self-compassion really is a mindset of, of being gentle with yourself, being kind with yourself and allowing yourself the same grace that you often are willing to give to other people. I remember so many times um, in my journey of going like, why didn't I see this? Like, what was wrong with me that I would attract a man like this? Or what did I do wrong that I was able to stay in a marriage with somebody? Or when I was trying to decide, like, do I stay in this marriage or do I leave this marriage? These questions of like, well, you know, what's wrong with me that I would stay in a marriage if he did this? Or how terrible am I that I'm thinking about leaving him and destroying my family because that's hard on my kids. So there, there is no, there's no right answer. And no matter what choices I made, that self-criticism could always be there. And I say self-criticism, but I'll tell you the adversary is very eager to help with that process. And so I really had to learn self-compassion. Kristen Neff, like if you're interested in wanting to learn about 
self-compassion, Kristen Neff, she's kind of the guru of it. You can just Google her and she has a whole website and it talks about what self-compassion really is. But she said that self-compassion entails being gentle and understanding towards ourself when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate rather than ignoring our pain and beating ourselves up with self-criticism. Self-compassionate people recognize that being imperfect, failing, and experiencing life difficulties is inevitable. I'm going to read that again. Self-compassionate people recognize that being imperfect, failing, and experiencing life difficulties is inevitable. So they tend to be gentle with themselves when confronted with painful experiences. So that was so important. That was Kristen Neff with self-compassion. And she has some workbooks and some books. She's wonderful. And she even has some videos on her website. Next, next lesson that I have learned is the strongest people I know and the strongest women I know are the ones who have been through difficult challenges. One woman in particular comes to my mind. Her name is Melinda Crandall. Worth has a, a webinar we did with her. And she kind of talks about some of her challenges. But I remember talking with her daughter, who's a really good friend of mine. And I said, your mom is just amazing. And I, like, when I grow up, I want to be like your mom. And she smiled and she goes, yeah, yeah, me too. But I don't think I want to have to go through what she went through to become the woman she is today. And I've thought a lot about that. And repeatedly, the women that I have met who have the most depth, who have the most strength, who I look to and I really respect are women who have been through really hard times. I don't want to go through the hard times to get there. I, that's that's a very human side of me. But these women really have been through difficult times who have shaped them into the women they become. John Stott, he was an Anglican priest. He said, no one ever drifted into holiness. And then Elder Holland, he's, he's my absolute, absolute favorite. I feel like he gets hard times. He gets trials like nobody else. He said, if for a while, the harder you try, the harder it gets, take heart. So it has, with, so it has been with the best people who have ever lived. And I find comfort in that. I find comfort in knowing that other people who I look to and who I admire have walked through this difficult journey. The thing, the thing is with pain is even though pain looks different, my pain may look different than Karen's pain or April's pain or BJ's pain. Pain is pain. And that is universal. Feeling that emotional pain, even though it looks differently, it, it still is pain. And that's something that we all have to go through to some degree. Something that comes to mind is with our kids, our kids' pain, a lot of times they'll be experiencing something that for them is the hardest trial they've ever been through. And sometimes we take our experience and we try to put our experience onto their pain where we go, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. But for them and where they are, it absolutely is a big deal. It's the hardest thing they've ever been to. So this is where that compassion comes in. And with that, that compassion is having it for ourselves, having it for our kids is understanding 
that this trial that you're going through is painful, it's hard, and having compassion for that and understanding that that pain is real. So I just want to just briefly put in there that sometimes when we come to something like a webinar and we hear of other people's challenges or we hear of these terrible things we go through, we can take the pain that we have and we can we can downsize it or almost belittle ourselves because, well, we're not as bad as them. I shouldn't be in so much pain because, well, at least my husband didn't do this. I shouldn't be in bad, this bad of pain. Well, because I didn't, at least I didn't like lose my child here. I, and, and we keep doing this process of, I shouldn't feel, I shouldn't have this much pain. But the reality is, is the pain that you have and the pain that you're experiencing is valid and it is real and, and it is separate. It is separate from somebody else's pain. So we really have to be careful with catching ourselves with that. Okay, next lesson is, and this actually kind of works our way into this really well, is the only way through the pain is through the pain. And I'll tell you, I don't like this lesson. I, this is one that I, I, I would rather just skip. I would rather it not be true. I would rather there be some kind of perfect recipe that if I just do A, B, C, and D, that things will, will be better. So like I'm a recipe maker in my life where I like to bake. So if I want to bake warm oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, I love them. I actually love the dough more than I love the cookie. But if I want to make this, then I know, well, I have to put in this much of this ingredient and this much of this ingredient, and this much of it, this ingredient. And if I do that, and I do it just the way that I've learned over the years in practice, then I should get my cookies and they should be just the way that I, I put them. So with healing so many times, like even today, I'll have to catch myself that here I am and I'm saying, okay, well, here's some tools, here's some pieces, here's some recipe ingredients. And you're, you know, you need to have the self-compassion. You need to remember that strong people have gone through difficult times. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to breathe. Okay. I did all of this. Now I should have my cookies. The reality is, is this life, unfortunately, isn't about recipes. We can't put in those perfect things and have the outcome that we want. So badly, I would like that. So badly, when things are really hard, I would love to just deep breathe and be self-compassionate and then feel better. I would love that to work. Right now, I'm in Orlando. My family's here for a week, and we just decided everyone needed a break. We needed a change of scenery. We needed to be somewhere, not our house, because we've been in our house for so many months. And, and I've been really stressed with some of the things on my plate and a couple of classes I'm taking. And with that Sunday night, I had to do a call with some of my classmates. And so I'm out like walking with my husband. We're just out on a nice walk. It's quiet. And I'm feeling so relaxed because we've had a couple of days that we've just been here and just moving at a slow pace and enjoying being outside in nature and just breathing and just feeling so good. But I have to do this call. So I jump on this call and we're doing some case consulting and talking about some clients. And then when the call is done, my heart was just racing and I'm feeling so much anxiety and I'm like, what is this? And, and where is this coming from? And just feeling like I'm 
spinning. And I'm like, I'm on vacation. I don't want to feel this way. So I, you know, I try to process some of it with my husband. I try to say a prayer. I go, you know, continue my walk. I do some deep breathing and, and I'm going, okay, I'm doing all of these things. Now I should feel better. Like now this anxiety just needs to leave so I can get back and enjoy the rest of my vacation. The reality is, is I felt better enough to go to sleep that night. And then I dream all night of these solutions of how I could do therapy with this one particular client. And then I was thinking about all these things I needed to do in this class. And I was restless all night. The reality was, is I still had to feel the feelings. I still had to work through it. I still had a process that I had to go through. And the only way through the pain was unfortunately through the pain. So you see, like giving my example of this week of these tools are tools that I'm still using. I'm not in the thick of this challenge that I, that I started today with, but here I am still needing these tools and still using them. So a, a cute little phrase I like is you have to feel it to heal it. And a lot of times with me, I, I like to call myself the queen of suppression I'm really good at like powering through. I'm really good at like, okay, we're just going to push that down and we're going to keep going. We have things to do. I have five kids. I have to do this. I have to do this. We're just going to put that down. But I've learned that when I shove those things down, when I'm not taking the time to feel it, when I'm not taking the time to process what's happening, all I do is I shove that down and it becomes that volcano to where it will come out sideways. It will come out with me all of a sudden yelling at my kids when I don't want to yell at my kids and my kids haven't really done anything or find myself feeling road rage on the road because somebody cut me off and wondering like, where did that reaction come from? What I've learned is there needs to be time to feel. There needs to be time to process. There needs to be time to really let myself feel what's happening to me. And sometimes that has been really scary for me because sometimes the feelings that I'm feeling right now feel too big. And it feels like if I open up that floodgate, then I may never close it. But even with the floodgate, if you were to open it up and you were to let all of the stuff that's been built up come gushing out, eventually it would slow down. Eventually it would go back to normal. Eventually, all of that stuff that was pent up always has a time that it stops. Feelings are like the ocean to where they every wave that comes into the ocean will come in and then it recedes. It will come in and then it recedes. Every emotion that we have comes and goes. Happiness comes and goes. Peace, though I want it a thousand percent of the time, there's times where I certainly have not felt peace. Peace can come and go. So can sadness and depression, and anger, and all of these feelings, they can come and go. Feelings really are information for us. They're not good or bad. They're information. Now, what we do with the feelings, we may be able to classify as, okay, that was a behavior that I don't like, and I don't want to repeat that. Or what I did with that feeling was really healthy, and that was good. But the feeling itself is information. It's not good or bad. It's information for us to help us know what's going on and what we're experiencing. And then we get to choose what we do with that.
One other quote I heard around feelings is you don't want to feel, you don't want to throw your feelings in the trunk of your car, but you don't want to let them drive either. So I've learned that my feelings are kind of like my kids, definitely not going to throw them in the trunk of my car, right? That would not be good parenting, not be safe for my kids, but my little kids are not going to be driving my car either. That would be scary. That would be dangerous. And so they're going to stay buckled in the back seat. They get to have a voice. We can talk back and forth, but they're going to be safely buckled. That's how I like to think of it. So I can have balance because sometimes with feelings, we feel this big, like, okay, well, if we're going to feel our feelings, that means if I'm feeling anger, I get to scream and yell and throw huge fits and throw things around the house. No, no, you can feel your anger and allow yourself to express it in really healthy ways. I have a burn journal that has, Karen, hopefully this doesn't shock you, but it has more swear words in it. People would be so shocked, but it was so good because the truth is, is all of that anger. I would much rather have it in a burn journal that I can burn later than have that anger inside of me. So I had to feel it to heal it. The next one is that there is help beyond the veil. I was reminded of this recently when I had a blessing, I was visiting my parents and my dad asked me, he said, do you want a blessing? And I said, yeah, I think that would be really, really nice. And the blessing very much was about how there are others on the other side of the veil who have been assigned to me and have been assigned to my family to help us during this challenging time. And that brought me so much comfort, but it also reminded me that when I was really in the thick of things, I have never felt closer to some of my family members who have already passed. And I didn't even know them well, but I felt their presence. And I remember when Elijah was with his servant in the scriptures in Kings, second Kings, and they're looking at the armies who are going to attack them. And the servant is really scared. And he's worrying about what, what we will do. And, and Elijah, I'm going to actually just read it. He says, fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horse horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. And when I was in the hardest parts there were times where God really let me feel and see that power that was with me. And so I want to remind you that even though it feels like you're in it and you're all alone, and even if there is nobody else on this earth who it feels like can truly understand, and honestly, in a lot of ways, nobody can fully understand what you are experiencing yourself accept the savior and the savior will give you that strength through him, but also through the power of the other side of the veil. Jeffrey R. Holland, he said in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have help from both sides of the veil and you must never forget that when disappointment and discouragement strike and they will, you remember and never forget that if our eyes could be opened, we would see horses and chariots of fire as far as I can see riding at reckless speed to come to our protection. 
and they will always be there. These armies of heaven in defense of Abraham's seed. I even just reading that now, it just, it gives me chills. Also in Doctrine and Covenants 84, 88, the Lord promised, he said, I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left. And my spirit shall be in your hearts and my angels round about you and bear you up. And I love those, those last couple of words, angels round about you to bear you up. And I think about that term, bear you up. And I picture times in my life where in the middle of a trial, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I am just doing whatever I can to keep my head above the water and I'm grasping for whatever's within reach. And then we have angels round about that will bear us up. I think of that lifting just more out of the water. So I'm not feeling like I'm drowning. I'm still in the water, still feeling the cold all around me, but I'm not struggling to breathe. And that is a gift. Next one. I'm going to share a link in the chat really quick because I was not sure if I was going to play the video or not, depending on time. But this is a link to a face-to-face that Elder Holland did. And it's called Four Times of Trouble. And in it, he, he talks about challenges. And he's talking to a group uh, of young adults. And it's the whole thing in its entirety is like 45 minutes. But these four minutes are so, so powerful. And in essence, he said, actually, I'm going to just read a quote from it. And then when you have time, please go Google that. If you're listening to the audio recording, it's on YouTube, four times of trouble, Elder Holland face-to-face discussion. It's four minutes long, but he said, I don't know how it is for everybody, but I know in my life that salvation is not a cheap experience, that no one is going to have a rich abundance experience for minimal effort. It's the idea that God's opportunity is man's extremity. I'm going to come back to that term in a minute. God's opportunity is man's extremity. I don't want to sound depressing and I don't want to sound like we have to be tested and tried and that it always has to be hard because it doesn't. It isn't always hard. You know, it is always hard and there are wonderful blessings, but I do believe that there is something in this walk of salvation this quest that says that we have to pay something for that. And so I think when we've come to know the Savior, it's when we've been out somewhere, at least in the borderlines of Gethsemane, the road to salvation always goes through Gethsemane, and it will always require a journey to the summit of Calvary. Now, the danger is that, that now the danger is there is that this sounds like, oh, I'm suffering like the Savior suffered. I'm anguished. We're not even a thimbleful. We're not even a fraction of that. We're not going to be crucified and we're not going to be atoners. It's horrendous in that sense to even make that analogy. But the other part of the analogy I think is required, mandatory. That is that if we say we're disciples of Christ, we walk where he walked. We feel what he felt and we pray the way he prayed. We shed the tears he shed and in some proportion, at least in some symbol, invited into the borderlands, pushed into the borderlands. And actually, so he says invited into the borderlands. And with that, I I think of like, I think for some of us, our trials, it feels more like we're pushed into the borderlands of Gethsemane. We're thrown into the borderlands of Gethsemane. 
yet here we are, here we are in the borderlines and we're walking where the savior walked and we're feeling that. And that term where man's extremity is God's opportunity is so powerful because I don't see, and this is just the world according to Alana, I don't see God saying, Alana, you're, you're really needing some more hard times. So here you go, I'm going to throw this trial at you. I see it as we live in a very fallen and broken world and the people around us have agency. And as part of this fallen and broken world, there will be hard times. And God knows that. But God takes our extremities as his opportunity to bless us, to help us grow, to refine us, to challenge us. All of these things that are extremities that are already happening, God uses that as his opportunity, his opportunity to show up in our lives, his opportunity to help us get something from this trial. We're going to go to the next one. One big lesson that I've learned that I still have to use today often is to not wait for happiness until the trial for the trial to be over. I remember one time a few months into trying to heal from everything that had happened. And I, I was somewhere with my kids and feeling happy in that moment. And I thought instantly, I can't be happy. I can't be happy because this and this and this is happening in my life. So that's not okay for me to be happy. And I had to really work at allowing the happiness to come when it came. B, where I really have to work is I really have to work at not looking ahead, not living in the future, not postponing my happiness until this trial is over. There's a quote that says, and I wish I knew who said this, but they said, stop waiting for Friday, for summer, for someone to fall in love with you. And I'll add, or back in love with you for life. Happiness is achieved when you stop waiting for it and make the most of the moment you're in now. Now, does that mean that we just put on a smiley face and we go like, I'm happy. Things are great when they're not. No, I believe that you can allow happiness to come in those moments it comes and also allow yourself to be where you are now. And a lot of times as humans, our emotions and our feelings are really complicated. We're usually feeling if we slow down and think about it and allow ourselves to feel it, probably five or 10 different feelings all at once. And it's, and it's learning to allow all of those to be present. President Hinckley, he said, anyone who imagines that bliss is normal is going to waste a lot of time running around shouting that he's been robbed. The fact is that most putts don't drop. Most beef is tough. Most children grow up to be just people. Most successful marriages require a high degree of mutual toleration. Most jobs are more often dull than otherwise. Life is like an old time rail journey, delays, sidetracks, smokes, dust cinders, and jolts, interspersed only occasionally by beautiful vistas and thrilling bursts of speeds. The trick is to thank the Lord for letting you have the ride. And that is what I have learned over and over in this journey is that when one trial stops, there may be these bursts of joy and these breaks between trials, but trials continue in different ways. Trials continue because that's part of our earthly experience. And so I have this, I don't know, fantasy in my mind of what it will look like when I get through the trial. 
what it will look like when this class is over, what it will look like when the kids finally get this break from school, what it will look like when my house feels clean again, which lasts for like 30 minutes or a day throughout a town, maybe a little bit longer. But I, I find myself going to the future. And as long as we're living in the future, we can't find joy and happiness today. So I really have to check myself and make sure that I am living in the present and I'm, and I'm allowing myself to stay in the present. Okay. Next one is, and we actually already talked about this. So I won't spend too much on this, but learn to let go and let God. So part of learning to let go and let God is recognizing what I have control over and what I don't. I have control over myself. I have control over my reactions. I have control over how much I put into my spirituality. I have control over what thoughts I choose to think. I have control over what I do with feelings that come. What I don't have control over is what other people do, what other people think, what other people feel. And anytime I'm stepping in to trying to manage or change or alter those things for other people, for me, I realize I'm stepping into unhealthy territory. So I have to surrender often. And I think that's all we're going to say on that one. Next little lesson I learned, and this one I love, I love, 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 is that there is a warrior woman inside myself and inside um, each of you. There's a warrior woman in me that I can tap into. Warrior women, I look around and as a program director for Worth, I am with so many women that are so strong and so courageous. And a lot of times I'll hear something to the effect of, well, I'm only strong because I have to, or I'm only strong because what other choice do I have? But the reality is, is you don't have to be strong. You don't, that is not the only choice. There are other choices and you're probably not choosing them. But the fact that you're sitting here today, the fact that you're listening to this type of thing shows that you are a woman who does want to better herself or does want to move forward or does want to learn and grow. That to me is a warrior woman. And there is a warrior woman who has that strength of Christ within each one of us. And I find so much strength learning about Joan of Arc. And she said, she said that I had been born for such a time as this. And I think about where we are today and we are in the last days and we have been told repeatedly that we, we have been saved for this time. So you being here in this world with all of its challenges and all of its trials, you were born for such a time as this, meaning that if you were born for such a time as this, there are unique things that you have to offer and that you have to give to the world, even in all the challenges, even amidst the hardest times, you uniquely have gifts to be had, to be shared, to be tapped into. That's one thing that I really love. Karen, I'm going to give a quick plug for mom power is that it helps you tap into this woman. It helps you tap into this warrior woman that is inside of you that has strength and power, and who is there all along, even in your darkest days, even in those times where you are army crawling it through the mud, trying to get through day to day, that is a warrior woman who is in really hard, 
and who is continuing to move forward and who is continuing to try, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's ugly. And the best way to do that is to tap into God's power. And as you tap into God's power and you really anchor into yourself, you will find that warrior woman. The last thing, last one, number 10, for those who wanted the even, this is something I end with my groups almost every week. So if there were any woman in my group from here, she could probably repeat this with me because I say it. But every time I say it, I say it because I mean it and I feel it. And it is this, it's that you have done really hard things in your life up to this point. You have done really hard things. You are in the middle of hard right now and you can continue to do hard. You may not like it. You may not want to do it, but you absolutely can do hard things. So with that, I will wrap up my um, speaking portion and Karen will turn the time back over to you. Great, April, and I'm turning it over to you. Thank you, Alana. All right. Thank you so much, Alana. There was just so much there. In fact, I'm hoping that you will email me a list of those 10 things that you learned, and then I can send that out in an email to all of the moms that are either listening today or that are here today or any of those things. Cause I just kept sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I can write them all down and listen at the same time. I just want to soak in everything that you have to say and then go back and listen again. And anyway, so thank you. And just for everybody that's here again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for those that are going to be listening. And again, you're all welcome to take mom power. It's just a basic course that will just introduce you to some of the principles both at life-changing services and as Alana talked about how to key into that warrior woman that you are. So mompowertraining.com or mompowertraining.org and it's a self-paced course. So everybody is welcome to take that and letting everybody know again, our stay by the tree series that we're in right now is sponsored by life-changing services and we offer therapeutic services for individuals, couples and families, youth and adults. So if you have anything going on in your home, please check us out, lifechangingservices.org, or you're welcome to call. And let me just tell you, we have the most awesome ladies that answer the phones. So if you're just struggling with anything and you're thinking, I'm kind of embarrassed because I don't know what to say, or I'm going to like, I know when I called, I got on the phone and then I just burst into tears and they just patiently listen and They'll walk you through whatever challenges you have and kind of gear you in the right direction. And if we if we can help you, they'll gear you there. And if not, they'll send you to other resources or referrals. So 877-437-6877 if you're struggling with anything. We're just here to help you. Anyway, and then check out our Mothers Who Know at motherswhoknow.org. And that is the parent support program of life-changing services. We offer free services for moms and parents. We want to help and support you. We do have obviously paid programs, but our parent support programs are free as we're trying to help parents. So with that, I'm going to turn the time back over to Karen, who I'm sure is going to open it up for everybody to talk with Alana and ask any questions that you may have. Yes. Just questions about things that Alana said or notes that you took that you'd love to share your takeaways, but really I'm just turning the time over to Alana to facilitate this discussion and this Q and A's. Thank you, Alana. Your thoughts were so beautiful. 
Thank you. And, and I will say, usually when I've done Q and A's, it starts out really slow because as women, we tend to want to make time for everyone else and what we're thinking or feeling doesn't seem like it's that important. So I just want to put out there that whatever you're thinking, or if you do have a question, even if it seems small or not a big deal, please do share. I would love to just hear any feedback or have questions for the 10 lessons that I learned. I will send those to April. So each of you can have those as well. And I kind of mix some of them up as well. And so it might help just to have it laid out clear. I don't have a question. I have a comment. I find that decades later, as you were talking, I I realized I had some really hard trying times, really awful times in my life. But I just kind of, it was during a period of inactivity, of course, but I find that I don't remember that pain. And it's a blessing. I haven't asked to be released of that pain even, but it's kind of like not remembering the pain of childbirth, you know, it's like, it was a necessary thing. And I got through it. And I just don't remember the details of the pain. So I want to give people hope. I don't think it. I mean, it's been a long time since I've remembered the pain. So it won't take decades, you know, for everybody. But it's just looking back, this kind of reminded me, yeah, I've been through some hard times, but I just don't remember the awfulness. And And thank you, Alana. I think I am stronger, you know, because of having those experiences. Yeah, thank you for that. Alana, I had a little comment. I loved what you said at the very beginning about trusting God. And I loved your insight about if we saw into the future, we likely would want to fast forward to it. I thought that was a very hopeful way to look at it and also gives it some purpose to go through it. Because if we didn't go through those things, you likely wouldn't be in that place in five years because those lessons that you learn along the way are what make you get there. I wanted to share um, an insight along those lines that I had a while back that, that helped me when I was trying to see, I wanted to see ahead into my kids' lives. I wanted to see that it was going to be okay. And, and I had this thought, I don't know if you've ever seen those big chalkboards full of, of, equations. I am so not a math person. So those would be like in Dante's Inferno for me to ever have to look at one of those boards and be expected to solve it. But I pictured a little toddler standing in front of a board like that, looking at all those equations. And of course, they have no idea how to solve that much. God's ways are higher than our ways. And the thought occurred to me that maybe God is sometimes being benevolent when he only gives us the next step. When he just says, Mm -hmm. just do two plus two, and then you can divide by five, and then you can add four. But if he gave us the whole thing all at once, I think we would run away and or shrink into onto the floor crying and just say, I can't do that. I can't comprehend that. I don't know what where to even start. So instead of feeling like, why can't you just show me a fast forward of my life just so I have hope? I think it helped me to see that as a benevolent thing that he said, I I could, but I'm afraid it would just overwhelm and scare you. And I'm just going to let you see what you can do right now in the moment. That gave me chills. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I very much love analogies. My brain works with them. So when somebody gives me something where they're painting that picture for me, 
I remember that and I don't forget that. And I don't think I'll forget that analogy of that big board because I like you, if I were to stand in front of that and somebody told me to make sense of that, that would be so overwhelming. And when I get too overwhelmed, I shut down. And so I think you're exactly right that there is, there is a gift in being able to take what we handle in those little bits piece by piece and, and have him hold our hand as we go about that. That's just really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, thanks, Alana. I had a question. The self-compassion points that you made were really helpful for me, especially as I apply them to my kids who are really hard on themselves. So you also mentioned that you and your husband worked and you worked every day on your stuff, but on those days where you can't work it and on those days where it's just too much, what would self-compassion look like to you on those days? Mm, Such a good question. Sometimes working my healing and working my recovery was to not do anything. That was my working it because that was me practicing being self-compassionate. So it's looked different at different times for where I was at. Real Croshaw, she wrote the book, What Can I Do About Me? that talks about betrayal trauma. But she said, it's okay if on the journey, sometimes you need to just sit down and take a rest. She goes, don't like unload your luggage and stay there forever. But yeah, sometimes you need to sit down and stay there. And sometimes you need to sit down and stay there for a few days or a few weeks or whatever that looks like for you. That is okay. And so for me, sometimes I remember one time in particular where my husband and I were like in the thick of things and we just said, you know what, we're not going to talk about this for a week. We're just going to take one week where we're, we know it's there. We're not in denial, but we're going to take one week where this, we're just not going to worry about this right now. And we're going to worry about the rest of our life and, and feel that. And other times it's been where I am just emotionally, everything is a little bit too much. Like this type of thing, when I come and speak, I, I am not an extrovert. I am actually um, more introverted than extroverted. So doing something like this, I'll probably go crawl in bed when I'm done because it just, it's, it's hard on me. And Brene Brown talks about the same thing. She, if you don't know who Brene Brown is, like look her up on YouTube, watch her videos. I love her. But She'll say after she'll go speak or do a conference, she'll come back home and she'll just stay in bed for three days. And her kids know they can come in and see her and talk to her, but she just kind of has to hide out from the world. That is her having self-compassion. And so um, while I'm not to that level, I won't need three days. I'll probably just take like 20 minutes. Sometimes after running a hard worth group, I'll literally like just go lay in the middle of my bedroom floor and just like spread eagle and put my head back and just breathe and, and other times self-compassion could look totally different. It could be, I'm doing self-compassion by I'm going to go exercise. It could be, I'm going to be self-compassionate by not exercising because that's not what my body actually needs right now. And I just need to rest. So there's no formula for what exactly it looks like. I think what's really crucial is slowing down and taking the time to figure out what you really need. What does your body need? What does your spirit need? What does your mind need? And then being self-compassionate enough to give yourself that if you can. And if you can't, have just grace with yourself. 
it's, it's kind of cliche, but people will say, well, what advice would you give to a friend who you really loved and cared about? Or what would you suggest them to do? Are you giving yourself that same level of kindness and compassion that you're giving to other people? That's a really good way to check it because we tend to give way more room for other people to not have it all together. We give way more room for other people to try to find balance. We give way more room for other people to make mistakes than we give to ourselves. And the difference usually is pretty astronomical. Like it's not a little difference. It's usually we are way more kinder to that other people than we are to ourselves. And that that's problematic. So we really have to slow down and check ourselves with that. That was a great, great question. Did that help at all? It's funny because when I give answers, I have to keep it generic enough because <laughs> the truth is, is your answer will look in like what the actual um, execution of it will look very different than maybe what it will look like for, for Karen or myself. Hi. So thanks for everything that you shared, because I like you, I've dealt with things off and on for several years and it seems like everything is slightly different every time. And sometimes I'm just not sure how to feel about that (laughs) right now. I don't like it at all. (laughs) And it's so hard to find the balance. I have such a large demand on my time right now that even though I know that it was right for me to move forward with my schooling and family history, I also dropped two of my classes because I just, I mean, one week, my arm hurt for literally two weeks, just trying to cram on missed work to get it in on time, even though all my professors were very kind and understanding and gave me time, but you know, they can't give you all the time. (laughs) You have to finish the assignment sometime. And I have so many appointments for my kids in so many directions right now that I feel like I'm living in cram mode all the time. And it's exhausting and it's tiring. And I have to say my husband's not very compassionate about it. So I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, just trying the best way to find balance when life is just so chaotic. I I just want to first validate that that is really hard. And in this day and age, we are living in ways that women throughout all of time have never lived. We are being asked to balance and manage in ways that women haven't experienced before. That being said, I do believe we have been saved for this time. And we do have within us that power to, to manage. But I will tell you, I tend to live my life in a way that it gets crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier to this point that my body or my mind or something goes like, we can't do this anymore. And so I backtrack, 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 backtrack. And then I go, oh, like I'm feeling pretty good. And then I add, 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 and it gets crazy again. And from this is for me, is it's this flux and this, this continuation when things were really hard at different points um, in my life. I have been in school, oh my goodness, for like nine or 10 years. I have gone so slow, but like when everything was in the height, I had to just completely stop school for a while. And that was really painful for me because I did not at the time trust myself that I would start again, but it was just too much. And so I I had to pull back. There's been other times where I've done just a class 
There have been other times where I've done like four or five classes at once for different reasons where I'm like, okay, it's time to power forward. And so they're all different times and different seasons. And I've really had to get good at being really consciously aware of where I'm at and what I can handle and what I can't handle. And I will tell you that I always tend to think that I should be able to handle more than I'm handling. And just because I can handle it doesn't mean that I should be handling as much as I'm handling. So there have been times where, and I'm not saying this as your answer, because I have no idea what your situation looks like, but there's been times where I've just literally had to pass on to somebody else and let them help me. There's been times where I've had to give stuff to my husband that I don't want to give to him because I don't think he's going to do it in the way that I want it done or the way that it should be done. Or what if he doesn't do it? And then the ball gets dropped and like my kid misses something that's really important that I would not have let drop, but he lets drop. You can hear it. Like, even as I talk, like my voice starts increasing because that anxiety starts kicking up. And so sometimes I carry all these balls because I feel like I have to be the one to carry all these balls. And one of the hardest things to do for me is to let other people help, to let other people in, to let it be okay for me that just because I can doesn't mean that I should. And that what sometimes if I, I, I take like I can handle that, but I'm going to be so stressed out when really I'm running in ways that God, I don't think really intended us to do. So the balancing act and for me is unfortunately never ending. My life is always balancing. And that's part of my process of living and learning is balancing. And there's times where I just have to slow down and times where it's okay that I speed up. I don't know if that made sense. Hopefully that helped a little tiny bit, but you're caring a lot right now. And, and I hope that self-compassion is in there in the mix. Also, one other thought for me, I really need time alone. I need time on a regular basis to reconnect with myself, connect with God and to really be centered because when I'm centered, then I'm grounded. And when I'm grounded, my ability to handle what I'm handling changes significantly. And that is something that's really hard that I still have to repeat to myself often is self-care is not selfish and taking care of my own needs, which includes alone time, which as a wife, mother, friend, sometimes can feel guilt inducing that I have to make sure that I'm, I'm taking the time for myself because when I take time to anchor to myself, Naturally, that's when I anchor most to God. And that for me is a really important piece of the puzzle that tends to be the first that goes off the plate when the plate gets full. So that to me needs to be priority because then what it does is it doesn't make my plate any less full, but it does make my plate a little bigger so I can handle just a little bit more. Alana, before you go, I just think from off of what you just said right now of how you have to connect to yourself connect to God and give yourself that space to be compassionate by withdrawing. Like for you, that makes sense for you to do, but just the, the thought that's so huge, especially as we all carry the burdens that we, each of us uniquely have, and we're trying to 
listen to the spirit and how what you've shared has been so incredibly helpful today. What does it look like? What does that look like for you just on a morning, on a day? What does it look like when you do that? Yeah. Well, I don't want to share because I don't want to discourage anybody. I don't want them to look at the blackboard and go, oh, I can't do that because I will tell you. So I now wake up early before all my kids, which for me, that means I wake up usually most mornings around 5 a.m. And if someone would have told me, hey, Alana, you need to wake up at 5 a.m. to make time for yourself. I would have been like, no, my sleep is more important. That's, That's not even an option. I can't do that. But what I have actually learned is that when I wake up early in the morning and I make time for myself and I make time for God, it's like someone's giving me like two extra hours every day. And I don't know about you, but for me, like someone giving me two hours a day, which is 14 hours in a week would be like huge. And my body has adapted way better than I ever thought it would. But I also go to bed a little bit earlier, but I wake up early and I make time to start the day where I'm connecting to myself. I'm connecting to God. That includes for me, exercise, reading my scripture, saying my prayer. I actually hate to journal. I'd recommend it to everybody. I think it's wonderful. I think it's needed. I hate it. But what I will do is I have an audio journal. So I'll talk into that. It's a great app if you are interested. It's called Day One. You can do video, audio, or write it out, which is really good for me. So that's how I start the day. But what I really find while that sets the tone, I really find for me is I have to make time during the day to just stop and slow down and breathe and recenter. Because for me, whatever time I get in the morning usually isn't enough to carry me until I go to bed. So there's been times where um, currently I'm doing all of my work from home, but when I was working where I go to an office, I'd come home and I would pull up and I wouldn't open the garage because if I opened the garage, all my kids would know I was there. And I would take that extra five minutes to just breathe, to just recenter, to slow down. And there's been times in my life where I've put alarms in my phone throughout the day to just stop and breathe. Other times it doesn't feel that chaotic where I have to have that constant, but there's times that it does even now. So that for me is the important part of slowing down. It doesn't mean I, my life is going any slower. It just means I'm allowing myself internally to slow down. And that's been really, really helpful. That being said, I will finish with the place I started. And that when I showed you that picture of the kids and everyone's smiling and everyone's happy and I'm saying, look, this is the way you do it. And here's all your tools. The reality is, is on a day-to-day basis, Life is hard and it's messy. And some days look great where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a superwoman today. And other days I crawl in bed and I cry and I'm like, I can't do my life. This is too hard. And and that's okay. Like that's life. That's real. And the majority of the time now, if I was always living in that place of like, I can't do life, it's too hard. Then I would probably be meeting with a psychiatrist and doing some extra steps to figure out what's going on. But I know now that those moments, they come and they go. And all feelings, all of the hard times, though some stay around a lot longer than others, some are an entire lifetime, but all feelings will come and will they go. And so I'll just leave with the final reminder again, 
that you have done really hard things. You're in the middle of hard things because you're alive and you're human. That's part of being human. So you're in the middle of hard and you can continue to do hard things. Thank you for letting me be vulnerable today. Thank you so much. Such a beautiful gift for all of us. Thank you, Alana. Love you, sisters. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. And The Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code MWK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sense of Human intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.